The Lord be with you. A reading from the Holy Gospel according to Matthew. Jesus proposed another parable to the crowds, saying, The kingdom of heaven may be likened to a man who sowed good seed in his field. While everyone was asleep, his enemy came and sowed weeds throughout all the wheat and then went off. When the crop grew and bore fruit, the weeds appeared as well. And the slaves of the householder came to him and said, Master, did you not sow good seed in your field? Where have the weeds come from? And he answered, An enemy has done this. His slaves said to him, Do you want us to go out and pull them all up? And he replied, No. If you pull up the weeds, you might uproot the wheat along with them. Let them grow together until harvest. Then at harvest time, I will say to the harvesters, First collect the weeds and tie them into bundles for burning. But gather the wheat into my barn. And he proposed another parable to them. The kingdom of heaven is like a mustard seed that a person took and sowed in a field. It is the smallest of all the seeds, and yet when full grown, is the largest of plants. It becomes a large bush, and the birds of the sky come and dwell in its branches. And he spoke to them another parable. The kingdom of heaven is like yeast that a woman took and mixed with three measures of wheat flour until the whole batch was leavened. All these things Jesus spoke to the crowds in parables. He spoke to them only in parables to fulfill what had been said through the prophet. I will open my mouth in parables. I will announce what was laid hidden from the foundation of the world. And then dismissing the crowds, He went into the house. His disciples approached him and said, Explain to us the parable of the weeds in the field. And he said in reply, He who sows good seed is the son of man. The field is the world. And the good seed, the children of the kingdom. The weeds are the children of the evil one, and the enemy who sows them is the devil. The harvest is at the end of the age, and the harvesters are angels. 
Just as weeds are collected and burned up with the fire, so it will be at the end of the age. The Son of Man will send his angels, and they will collect out of his kingdom all who cause others to sin and all evildoers. They will throw them into the fiery furnace, where there will be wailing and grinding of teeth. And then the righteous will shine like the sun in the kingdom of their father. Whoever has ears ought to hear the gospel of the Lord. You know, whenever I hear this gospel or read it, there's one section that always jumps out at me. When the slaves of the householder came to him and said, Master, did you not sow good seed in your field? Where did the weeds come from? He answered, An enemy has done this. I remember when I was in the seminary, in graduate school, the rector was a rather imposing man. And he was a very good preacher. And there was one day when the deacon got up and proclaimed the gospel. But instead of reading the gospel of the day, which he was supposed to have read, he turned to the wrong gospel and read this one. And the rector <clears throat> didn't stop him. Um, he got up and he began his homily by saying, an enemy has done this. <laughs> uh, which we all found very humorous, except for the deacon, uh, who didn't. You know... When we consider the kingdom of God, uh, as we do in today's gospel, the kingdom of heaven, but also just the kingdom of God, we realize it's a very different place than we thought or would like to think sometimes. Our Lord is very direct in this gospel. This isn't one of the more pleasant gospels. Our Lord is speaking about real things, real choices that human beings make. And he's speaking about the church. The kingdom of heaven, in this case, really is the church that he's describing. The church as we know her, obviously. As I've said before, notice the description. First, wheat is sown, good seed. And then the enemy comes, as our Lord says, the devil. And sows weeds all through the wheat and then went off. The church then is going to be that combination. She will be always visible in that way. It's going to be a combination of good and evil. And that's the kingdom of God on earth. But the church, above all, is the body of Christ. And she is also a church that is complete with grace and through whom all grace comes. She is known for her saints, for her holiness. 
the same time, she is known for great sinners. That shouldn't surprise anybody. Our Lord told us that's the way it would be. She cannot take in all of humanity without being both. Ideally, we would all respond perfectly to the grace that is given to us. But God never takes away our freedom. And notice in this parable that there is the good seed, the wheat, and the weeds. Now, wheat can never stop being wheat, and weeds can't stop being weeds. Obviously, they're symbols, because you and I make choices. Wheat and weeds don't. So our Lord here is speaking of absolutes, of things that will happen, of final choices, of things as they will be, and then speaks to us in the first reading about mercy and the second reading about prayer and the influence of the Holy Spirit. Notice, though, his slaves said to him, Do you want us to go and pull them up, the weeds? No, if you pull up the weeds, you might uproot the wheat along with them. Let them grow until harvest time. Again, he speaks of the life of each individual and the end of the world. Because although this speaks of the church, the wheat and the weeds, it speaks of each one of us, since we are a combination of both uh, most of the time, or much of the time anyway, and we must see that in ourselves. But here our Lord again is calling us to something greater. He then proposes two other parables, the mustard seed and the woman who took and mixed yeast with three measures of wheat flour until the whole batch was leavened. In other words, the church is going to grow. She will go on through time. Whatever the scandals may be, she will go on. Our responsibility is with the grace of God to accept the grace that is given to us, to remain outside of that, to continue to grow, to reject all that comes against us. That's pretty basic. That's the gospel. But as I said, the church cannot be really in any way destroyed. She can be weakened, she can be hurt, but she cannot be destroyed because of what she is. She's beyond any one of us or even any group of us. She's the totality of what God has called. Now, I mentioned, I think, before once, I was in a bookstore in England and I saw a book that said The Decline and Fall of the Church of Rome. I thought to myself, how many times has that book been written? Uh, and how many authors are dead? Uh, and the church goes on through history. She doesn't stop because she can't. As I said, she's the body of Christ. And most of all, she has the sacraments, and in particular, the Eucharist. Uh, and I suppose in our own day and age, there have been more scandals than in some, although part of our problem is that we're too close to the church right now as she exists. We can't step outside of her. The church has gone through much worse than this. Ours, as I said before, is only a little test. Uh, and the scandals are really, when you consider numbers, minor. Is any sin great enough like that? Certainly it is. But the church doesn't grind to a halt over them. She continues to go on. Uh, I remember when this all started back in 2002, the scandals. It was about that time that Pope John Paul II gave us the luminous mysteries of the rosary. And I thought, isn't that wonderful? And there were people crying out, how can the Pope be talking about the rosary when he has to deal with all these issues? I thought, because the church goes on. 
there are more important things. Uh, the, the spirituality of the universal church is more important than a media event in the United States. And so the church will continue. I've also mentioned to you that one beautiful, well, I'll say beautiful, but I think wonderfully humorous uh, event that took place with Napoleon. Uh, remember that Pope Pius VII wouldn't stop trading with the British. Napoleon warned him about that. But Pope Pius VII was not about to be warned by Napoleon about anything. So he continued trading, and Napoleon did what Napoleon did best. He invaded Italy and the Papal States and took the Pope prisoner and first took him to northern Italy and then transferred him to uh, Fontainebleau in Paris. If you're going to be exiled, it's probably a pretty good exile. And the Pope excommunicated him. Napoleon said, as you may recall, to the cardinal, who was secretary of state, um, I will destroy the church. Imagine, I will destroy the church. And the cardinal looked at him and said, Oh no, your majesty, even we hadn't been able to do that. Uh, I admire that sort of courage in the face of Napoleon. Remember what happened with Stalin. I believe it was over his, that horrible starvation of, in, in Ukraine. Where I think eight million people were starved to death. And people said, well, what will the Pope think? And Stalin said, how many legions does the Pope have? Well, they learned how many legions the Pope has. The, pope, the church takes her time, but she goes on. And I've said to you this, about this before. When people say to you, what about the scandals? There's only one response to that. What about the saints? Have you read their lives? You may have noticed they're not on the front page of the News and Observer. They're not on any of the news channels because they don't want them there. But look at the saints. Don't bother me with people who are sinful. Today's gospel tells us that's the way it's going to be until the end of time. Wheat and weeds. Our job is to, just to move towards God and to encourage others to do so. People at times will say to me, you know, you should have told so-and-so um, just how wrong they were in so many words. My response to that is, that's not my job. That person may really be a terrible person. They may be hostile to the church. But my job is not to enhance my self-esteem by showing them just how nasty I can be. Our job is to try to bring them to where we are through kindness. Sometimes we have to be very direct. Directness and charity aren't opposed to one another, as any parent here should be able to confirm. Sometimes you have to be kind and very direct, and that's true with adults, too. Um, but our job, then, is, to, again, to bring the church to that fullness that the mustard seed became and also the woman with the yeast. Uh, also, the other thing, though, about this, it's no accident when our Lord uses wheat as a symbol because it's the symbol of the Passover and the symbol of himself. It's a symbol of his body, symbol of his body and blood. It's a symbol of the Eucharist. The Eucharist, then, is the very center of all. The Eucharist is the center of the church, the center of her holiness, the center of all of our growth. So if people have a problem with sinful people in the church, um, you might tell them that, that very often, <laughs> it's funny when people say that, I often think, well, it probably it's, it's, I can understand why you wouldn't want to come and add one more. But what we're trying to do is bring people to the reality of what we're doing. Um, that, of course, would best be done by holiness. And 
by a real supernatural patience that sometimes is demanded by that. So our Lord then tells us to be aware of these things. We are the kingdom of heaven on earth. We have already begun that kingdom. As I always say to our servers, um, we are going to enter into, and the response, of course, is heaven, which we are about to do, and that that should fill us with awe. Exactly. Let us pray. Almighty Father, we come before you as the people redeemed by the blood of your Son and trusting in your love and mercy. For the church throughout the world, that her members will always respond more perfectly to grace, be visible signs of God's presence in our midst, especially the church suffering, we pray to the Lord. For all nations of the world, especially those hostile to the faith, for their conversion, we pray to the Lord. For all those who are sick and suffering and dying, the lonely, the frustrated, and the confused, for those who suffer from scandal and those who have caused it, for those who are greatly tempted, for those who have lost their faith, they will return with the mercy of God, we pray to the Lord. For a greater respect for human life, especially the innocent, we pray to the Lord. Lord, For an increase in vocations of priesthood and the consecrated life, those young men and women will be visible signs of the kingdom of heaven on earth. For greater reverence for the witness of marriage and the single life, we pray to the Lord. For our bishop, priests, deacons, and seminarians, and for the American hierarchy, that they will first respond to grace by becoming truly holy and then bring others to it, we pray to the Lord. Lord for the souls of all the faithful departed, especially our relatives, friends, and benefactors, for all who have died in the battlefield, all victims of violence, terrorism, and natural disaster, eternal rest grant unto them, O Lord. May they rest in peace. May their souls and the souls of all the faithful departed. And for all of us here, that our lives will reflect, in particular, the Eucharist that we receive. And the people will see in us the victory of Jesus Christ already present. We pray to the Lord. We now join our prayers to those of the Mother of the Church as we sing. 